You're listening to the Future Tech Health Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Until I reached age 40, I never realized the obvious, that we all have medical issues, or we at least have a family member or close relation that had, has, or will have them in the future. Medicine and biological systems are the final frontier. Until we've conquered death, figured out how life began, cured cancer, and understood our purpose in the universe, there's a heck of a lot to talk about when it comes to our health. Future Tech Health means I'll be covering futuristic topics that are actually already in clinical trials or even starting to appear on shelves or by prescription or available for your own use. We dive deep into stem cells, CRISPR-Cas9, the science of sleep, epigenetics, medical testing, cancer, ketogenic diets, stem cells, aging, regenerative medicine, and more. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a serious medical problem. Remember, however, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoy the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and share it with friends. Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech and Future Tech Health Podcast. I have Jianyi Zhang, uh, Dr. Jianyi Zhang. He's known as Jay Zhang, so I'll call him yeah. Jay. Uh, he's an international leader in myocardial bioenergetics, biomaterials, and stem cells for cardiac repair. He's a tenured professor of medicine and of engineering, the uh, T. Michael and Gillian Goodrich Endowed Chair of Engineering Leadership and Chair of the Department of Biomedical Engineering. Uh, Joint Department of the School of Medicine and School of Engineering at University of Alabama at Birmingham. So, Jay, thanks for coming. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you, Richard. Yeah. So, so what is uh, what's myocardial bioenergetics? I understand biomaterials and stem cells for cardiac repair, but uh, what are bioenergetics? Myocardial bioenergetics is talking about the, how the energy is. Uh, produced in the mitochondria, transport to the contractile apparatus and utilized in the uh, uh, contractile apparatus to generate the work and generate force to pump the blood support mm-hmm. support the whole body. Oh, okay. So I guess the, uh, I guess they used to call it what, the Krebs cycle in the mitochondria, uh, yeah. ATP is produced and then that, what, it migrates out to right. the proper so, cells that need it? Yes, so the uh, Krebs cycle is more uh, in the petri dish or in the in the in vitro study, and my training is examining in the whole organ system in the in vivo system uh, using the uh, large heart or large animal model or human heart. So what happens if you don't mind just giving a basic overview when the mitochondria produce ATP? How does it get to the uh the right cells in the heart, and how does it cause them to contract? So the this goes back to a few decades about the uh, energy stuff, the failing heart hypothesis by our Annie proposed that uh, uh, heart failed to pump because of uh, loss of energy. So this is a vague concept. In the past few decades, people have examined uh, how the energy is uh, produced. My country or my side can utilize 
the glucose or fatty acid to uh, generate the ATP. And ATP is transported to the contractile apparatus to generate work. And uh, it has been consistently found that in the uh, in vitro, uh, in vivo small animal models, large animal models and the uh, patient, uh, we found that uh, uh, heart failure is associated with the uh, abnormalities in energy utilization or energy production-related oh. enzymes. And the severity of the uh, alteration is severity se- severely or linearly related with the um, severity of heart failure or prognosis of the death or the sick patient survive in 5, 10 years. Um, so it's a um, severity of energy um, abnormality, of energy metabolism abnormality is a prediction of the prognosis of a patient with heart failure. So in someone that, uh, what, are, what are the symptoms? How will that manifest if um, will their heart just beat less forcefully? Will it not keep a rhythm? Like what, what happens you know, pathologically in a person? Yeah, that's an important question. Now, heart failure is being utilized uh, vaguely in the um, in the field of uh, um, cell biologists, molecular biologists, all the uh, scientists that deal with the um, small animal models. But heart failure is a is a um, symptom. It's the end stage before going death, all the heart problem before um, going to death is end up with irreversible uh, heart failure, which congestive heart failure, which is a dilated heart cannot pump and uh, uh, eventually go to uh, uh, death, which is a um, trillion dollar business to take care of this uh, um, problem, clinical problem in the world every year. Trillion dollar means uh, start with a T. So it's a very important public health problem. And uh, uh, physician and physician scientist, engineer has been working together trying to solve this problem for decades. And recently is uh, um, cell therapy or um, bioengineered tissue to repair this uh, broken feeling heart. So what are the uh, what are the stages of heart failure? What how does it begin typically, and how does it you know not end? We know what happens when it ends, but you know, yeah. close to the end. What are the so, steps? So it um, we have a concentric hypertrophy uh, secondary to the um, pressure overload, which uh, we usually say the hypertension. So it's a very uh, thick wall with uh, small cavities. So uh, it's a classically uh, concentric hypertrophy, a heart with uh, uh, increased LV mass uh, without severe uh, coronary artery. There's uh, um, um, dilated cardiac uh, heart failure with the valvular problem, so insufficiency of a mitral valve, valve or aortic valve make the, the valve cannot close, so it's a dilated cardiac hypertrophy. The third uh, case of uh, um, 
compensate the hypertrophy is uh, post-infarction LVD modeling. That's what the cell therapy has been targeting on utilize the uh, cell as a product to prevent the uh, post-infarction LVD modeling become heart failure. So um, in the in the clinical case, when the infarct is small, patients uh, survived or saved in, at the uh, at the event, and then the um, the patient have a heart with a LV scar. And over the time, if the scar is uh, uh, big enough, it's gradually um, have a dilated um, left ventricle. Um, with, so, with, with, so with the people will. Will people have a series of small infarctions that slowly scar more and more of the heart? It, and then it actually, it, actually, it is. Um, that's a good question. Actually, how the post-infarction LV remodeling started was a compensated uh, LV pumping uh, over the time of. Uh, months and years become a dilated left ventricle with very decreased ejection fraction and half end stage congestive heart failure. The mechanisms remains unknown. It's just uh, um, probably multifactorial result in this uh, end stage heart failure situation. It not necessarily have repeated a small infarct. It is likely the overstretch of the border zone, border zone, border zone of the LV scar, the overstretch triggered the uh, detrimental signaling um, mechanisms to make the uh, border zone uh, go on um, apoptosis because of the overstretch, because of the detrimental signaling pathway, because of the uh, energy um, metabolism abnormality. So uh, over the time, the borders will expand the characteristic of alteration of uh, energy metabolism and um, um, overstretch. So what, what, what happens in a in a heart with hypertrophy? Like, is it that the elasticity of the ventricle changes? Is it that literally the cells are enlarged in that ventricle? Is it mechanical where the cells have physically moved apart to create a larger ventricle that requires more pressure to pressurize it? I mean, what what is the mechanism of hypertrophy? The hypertrophy um, is uh, secondary to the uh, pressure or volume overload or the stress. So it's just like a skeletal muscle. When you exercise, the muscle cells go getting bigger. So in the heart, it's a bigger heart is a, is a problem. We call hypertrophy. And uh, but that, that's because the cells are bigger, or is literally yeah, the morphology is, of the heart changed? No, it is a cell bigger and longer. So the normal my side is uh, um, about a hundred micron in length. The hypertrophy, the heart uh, length increase, but more uh, of a cross section is thicker cross-section area is double, can be doubled or even tripled. Oh, wow. Therefore, the, the perfusion support the mitochondria in the myocardium can be uh, uh, one of the factors that the, because the, the cross-section area is double or tripled, the, uh, the diffusion of the nutrients, oxygen to the mitochondria mm-hmm. is, uh, is a factor that uh, it can be compromised. So you're saying in a bigger cell, it takes more time, or 
you know, if you have a certain number of mitochondria in a given cell that's fixed, let's say, and the cell is now twice the diameter, it takes longer, I guess, for the ATP to diffuse throughout the cell to make it contract and do its job or to, I guess, get, you know, provide energy to the whole cell. Is that that's not the, that simple, actually. Um, exactly how the energy metabolism's uh, characteristic contribute to the dysfunction of uh, a pump or contractile function is still unclear. We know two uh, factors. One is the, we know two facts. One is the heart uh, failed to pump sufficiently. The other fact is the uh, metabolic um, characteristic of the myocardium change. Whether this uh, uh, bioenergetic bioenergetic changes caused or caused by the pump to fail, it's still being um, demonstrated. We don't know if the mitochondria are recruiting other methods, perhaps, of providing energy, or that maybe the the biochemistry of the reaction itself changes somehow. I mean, there's many different possibilities, right? Yes. So the Actually, that's another good question. In the in in the heart, the the energy metabolism reserve. The, this is a key um, uh, term. People always uh, f- often uh, forget about that. The energy metabolism um, reserve is uh, in human heart. It's probably five folds. In the different species, even higher. So there's a significant reserve. So unless you abolish the reserve, you cannot demonstrate the decrease is causing the dysfunction. So the, is the uh, as a hard reserve is then the op- option of taking the substrate to support uh, energy production is another factor. So the mitochondria can utilize glucose, you can utilize uh, fatty acid, can utilize ketones, can utilize uh, anything available. If you abolish one thing, they take other ones. That's why it makes the, the uh, question difficult to examine and demonstrate and uh, dem- examine the mechanisms. So, But we are getting closer to um, understand the, the problem. We are getting closer to alter the uh, pathways to uh, use, utilize as a therapy method to um, prevent heart failure, to cure, to um, delay the heart failure to occur. Okay. And once uh, um, you experience hypertrophy in a heart, does that change the shape of the ventricles or the atrium and yeah, you see it, like a morphological difference? Yes, it mainly changed the uh, football to a, like a softball. The hypertrophy heart is more round shape. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, um, have you tried modeling different shapes of ventricles and you know pumped some fluid through them to see how that changes the fluid dynamics just because of the shape? So over the over the past decades, people have tried the different ways. The surgeons actually mainly tried uh, different ways to um, use the change the shape or uh, limit the dilatation to prevent heart failure or improve the pump to to pump the blood. One is uh, called uh, um, LV resection. So uh, the the South America uh, surgeon tried to 
um, in the open chest surgery to to uh, cut pieces of the heart and suture together to prevent a um, heart failure to improve the heart pump. Um, it didn't work. Um, the other trial is try to put a, a um, put a mesh to outside the ventricle to prevent dilatation to prevent change to a softball shape. Um, we called it a, a condom for cardiologist. It didn't work either. So the um, so that oh, this is just uh, two example of uh, um, different intervention to change change the LV shape to prevent heart failure. Uh, it, it was not successful. Basically, it is a uh, end stage of a disease. Actually, it's a syndrome. It's many many different heart disease, the end stage, everything, all the original origins of the cause of the disease end up with the end stage heart failure with a, with a dilated heart. And next step is death. Okay. So what what area of all this are you trying to figure out? I, I can see now, I understand there's so many different mechanisms going on. You know, maybe certain, you know, epigenetic changes are changing the gene expression, which changes how the heart contracts and, you know, how it metabolizes energy. I mean, it could be many things, I guess. Yeah. So um, the by training, I'm, a, I'm trained as a cardiovascular physiologist. So I know the, uh, the heart is an organ that uh, is different from any other organs in terms of uh, um, it, it's a high-pressure, high-flow organ every um, every minute, it beats 100 beats per minute pressure increase from zero to 100 millimeter mercury 100 times every minute, and every um, every day it utilizes 10 kilogram of ATP and uh, uh, pumps uh, uh, 10 tons of blood. So um, it's a very very tight structure. When we try to do the cell therapy, we inject cells into the myocardium. Um, it, the, the cells face this cyclic pressure increase and decrease. Uh, therefore, that's one reason the uh, uh, engrafting rate is so low. That's the one remain to be one major problem of the uh, cardiac cell therapy: low engrafting rate. Um, even though with the autologous cell therapy, you also in these cells, transplant cell encounter. Um, the cyclic pressure increase, decrease, and high flow, high pressure um, organ. So I started early um, by trying to fabricate, um, engineered um, uh, my cardio tissue, um, like patch a um, engineered tissue on the surface of the LV injury to so the. The cells are now facing the cyclic pressure increase and decrease. So it's a better environment, uh, direct contact LV injury. Um, so that's that comes with the cardiac muscle patch uh, therapy. Um, mm. it, it, it tends to have a better engraffing rate um, by allogenic or the um, xenogenic uh, transplantation approach. 
um, but the ingrafen remains uh, uh, in the single digit. So it's uh, um, it. It's it's prevent LV dilatation. Dilatation is a major problem. If we can prevent a dilatation, it's effectively effectively uh, help the pump. So with the biological active uh, cell patch on the surface of LV injury, it effectively prevent LV bulging. That's uh, um, many of the beneficial effect based on in my mind. Um, going forward, I think. Um, to promote uh, grafted myocyte proliferation is the key. So if we can, if the ingrafting rate is uh, single digit or in the point, um, 0.1 to 0.9% uh, of uh, ingrafting rate, if we can make this myocyte graft uh, less than 1% of myocyte proliferate, to, if we can turn back the, the clock of myocyte, go on proliferate, then this compound uh, principle, in other words, cell dividing one to two, two to four, um, four to eight, over the time, even though it's a 0.1% of cell graft, over the weeks, we can easily get the millions and millions of cell, my side, to replace the lost um, um, myocardial mass during the heart attack. So my, my folks has been focus on the promoting my side proliferation or otherwise turn back the clock of my side um, proliferation. As you I'm know, not sure if I understand. Uh, what, as, what do you mean my side proliferation? Like what, what do you mean? Like when the patch is applied, only a very small percentage of the cells stay active or what, like so what happens? We need to go back uh, a few steps to the developmental cardiovascular biology. So, the heart before uh, neonatal, pre-natal, pre-natal stage, uh, heart myocyte um, continue to proliferate, meaning the myocyte uh, double, um, the cell doubling uh, time. Myocyte continue one become two, two become four. That's heart, heart form in the developmental stage. Um, it continue to divide. At the, at the time of a birth, for whatever the reason, when the, uh, the organ exposed to high oxygen start to work, the myocyte exit cell cycle. So within uh, a day or maybe three after the birth, myocyte exit cell cycle, meaning they, they no longer divide. So you born with a fixed number of cells, you die with fixed number of myocyte. That's why heart attack become a, a, a such a serious problem. When you lost uh, a, lost ten percent of myocyte during heart attack, um, mm. you survive with a big piece of scar. If it's greater than ten percent, many cases it's died on the on the site. So my side do not regenerate it's the major problem of a heart attack or heart failure. So if we can find the the regulators of uh, how the regulators control the my side exit cell cycle within three days after the birth, then we can uh, manipulate this regulator to turn back the clock to make the cell proliferate. If we can control the cell 
um, cycle, then we can uh, likely prevent heart failure or cure the heart failure. Because basically heart failure is a problem of heart loss, the myocyte. Myocyte is the basis of the, uh, the cardiac pumping. So you're saying that, all right, so in a heart attack, myocytes, a certain percentage of myocytes die. We don't make any more. So the existing or the remaining ones enlarge to try to accommodate. Mm-hmm. Is that is that the process? Yes. The com- uh, compensate, it's called compensated hypertrophy. Okay. And then once they do, how does that lead to dilation and then heart failure? Yeah. Once the, it, the remaining yeah. cells grow, what happens to them? What happens is multifactorial. It's uh, related with uh, uh, energy uh, metabolism alteration. It related with the other signaling pathways uh, also. So it's still not uh, clearly defined. It's a multifactorial event to make the, this happen from compensated hypertrophy to heart failure. But uh, but yeah, uh, but, uh, but uh, if we can prevent this dilatation, prevent the further hypertrophy, hypertrophy compensated uh, hypertrophy is not at the stage of uh, severe dilatation. If we can prevent the dilatation, then it will prevent heart failure to occur. That so far we have not been successful. As hypertrophy continues, it leads to what? What, it just keeps going and going, and the cells get bigger and bigger. Or what it's is the course of hypertrophy? Elongation. It's the elongation. Uh, the mm-hmm. one hundred micron in length become two hundred micron in length. Eventually, they fail to contract. The contractile apparatus have a fixed oh. length. If you overstretch, it it will fail to contract. Huh. So that wouldn't that. Um... I don't know, wouldn't that change the, it, so it changes the contractile strength. Mm-hmm. Would it that, change no. the, um, the heart rate? Would no, it change it the other factors about the heart? It will not change the heart rate. The, the electrophysiology is a separate field. Uh, the, the hypertrophy, um, severe hypertrophy is associated with uh, increased sudden death, uh, meaning right, okay. arrhythmia related, but how exactly a heart with uh, our coronary artery, severe hypertrophy, the sudden death rate increased the fivefold. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's complicated also. So do we even, does science even understand the mechanism of why hypertrophy occurs? That's known, actually. Hypertrophy occurs as the uh, stress increase. So either pressure overload or volume overload in, at a cellular level, is increased the stress, meaning either stretch or 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 uh, contract uh, more contraction. So it's just like in the gym, you exercise more, the more hypertrophy. That that is known. But the high hypertrophy leading to the uh, heart failure or leading to increased uh, sudden death, that is more complicated. Why is uh, my side hypertrophy? This is a more simple question to understand, to, to explain. Huh. Um, okay. So, so what happens when you apply, so you're culturing, what, cardiomyocytes, and you're encouraging them to go back to, what, a stem-like nature? You're culturing them in a dish, and then you're applying them as a patch to the patients, or what's the process there? 
oh, uh, you are talking about the engineered tissue, or in other case, in other words, uh, uh, fabricate uh, human cardiac tissue in the petri dish and utilize that uh, uh, engineered myocardial tissue patch patch under the surface. Right. It's a, it's a basically it's a simple uh, intuitive approach. So you have a heart survived from heart attack, lost 10% of LV mass. If we can create a muscle patch, patch onto the surface of this LV injury, if we can make the, this um, muscle patch, engineer the human muscle patch, survive on the uh, surface of the injured heart, can effectively prevent the LV um bulging or overstretch or dilatation, then you likely can prevent heart failure to occur. Why do you think, well, not think, but why is uh, the left ventricle more susceptible to this than the right ventricle? Susceptible to a heart attack? It, it, well, susceptible, I, I don't know. Is it more, when, when heart attacks happen, do they tend to happen on the left side of the heart or the right? You know, where do they happen? And then, Hypertrophy, where does that happen? And then, you know, so right, heart failure, where does that happen? Yeah, right, right heart or right ventricle and high, uh, left ventricle, they, they both can have uh, hypertrophy um, secondary to different disease or origins. Um, the, the reason left ventricle is, has been examined, the, much more than right ventricle is because the right left ventricle is the pump to pump the blood to support all the important organs in the system. Right ventricle is supporting the lung is we call the low pressure system and the left ventricle is a high pressure system and a mm. heart attack and, and the left ventricle um, often um, have the um, causing the heart failure and causing the um, clinical um, problem is is also because the it's the pump support all the important organs. Okay, so do heart attacks tend to happen more on the left side versus the right? Yeah. Yes. Okay, so higher pressure, you know, more problems. Okay. What? It's the pump um, for the right, left ventricle fails it, uh, the the system fails the right ventricle fail the lung fails right gotcha so your focus is you're trying to understand how cardiomyocytes proliferate in an embryo in the beginning and then they stop you know so what what is your what is your vision of a of a of a goal so that's the the two end one is for for engineering my side tissue patch i want to have the the my side that they utilize to uh, engineer the muscle patch, they the this increase the my side proliferation. So same point one percent of graph rate or one percent of graph rate. If the muscle cells in the patch, they can continue to proliferate. Then the for the purpose of uh, um, muscle patch prevent LV bulging is uh, more successful because you basically end up with uh, uh, larger and thicker in the uh, um, graph to prevent LV dilatation. That's the from the uh, transplantation perspective. From the prevention 
of a heart failure perspective, if we can make the uh, recipient heart, um, my side go back to the clock, turn back the clock, start to proliferate when there's an injury, then the proliferation can fix the 10% of LV mass loss during the heart attack, which is, is, uh, is my hope. We can figure out the regulators, utilize the modern technology of uh, um, bioinformatics, large data to find out the regulators. It will not be one regulator. It will be multiple regulators. And then we can manipulate, use the modern uh, gene therapy technology to turn back the clock of recipient side, then they start to proliferate. If we achieve that goal, then they can one day to remuscularize a injured ventricle. The, the key in here is to remuscularize a injured ventricle, injured during the heart attack. What, what do the patches do right now? Do they work? Do they fail? Are they barely workable? Like what happens when you, you know, put a patch on somebody? It's very uh, exciting and quite promising. Uh, we recently published a paper in, um, in, in circulation um, that fabricated, uh, engineered um, human cardio muscle patch that is uh, uh, thicker and larger, it's clinical relevant size, um, have the in vitro uh, fourth generation, uh, one of the best. It's about the one, normalized about one nanonewton per uh, my site, which, uh, which, which is quite um, encouraging and promising. So if, um, and let's see, we, we um, engineer this my site with uh, uh, cycling D2 overexpression. Cycling D2 is one of the uh, key regulators regulate the cell cycle. So these my site uh, have a higher proliferation rate in vitro and in vivo also four weeks after the transplantation, the engraffing rate is significantly higher. So, um, this approach of uh, utilize my site was engineered uh, gene mm-hmm. expression, turn back the clock. It likely will have larger uh, graft. In uh, in other words, remuscularize uh, injured ventricle, um, the, which lost the, uh, my site during the heart attack. So, but again, once you apply the patch, what happens to those uh, do those cells die? Do they scar up? Only a very small percentage of them make it. Like what happened? Yeah. So at this point, um, we have tried uh, catheter-based vessel delivery of the uh, uh, cell therapy. We have tried direct myocardial injection of the cells to the myocardium. Um, or we try the patch. It's all uh, at the at the um, rate of single digit. Four weeks after the transplantation. Whatever the means to delivery, uh, it's always maintained a single digit or less. Meaning, again, go back to the beginning of our uh, conversation that uh, this is because the heart is an uh, organ that are not welcome to any following stuff because it's a cyclic uh, contraction and high flow, uh, high pressure. Um, so, however, if we can make these uh, 
uh, 0.1% .1 survived sales four weeks after the transplantation continue to proliferate. Then it's a simple compound mechanisms. A few weeks further, um, you can in easily generate millions of mycite by just by simply successfully turn back the clock of mycite proliferation. So, so you're saying only a single digit percentage of the myocytes in a patch survive? And, you know, how yeah, fast about, do the rest die off? It's about 10%. Yeah. That's how fast the, do the rest die off? The rest just die off. How fast? I'm sorry? How quickly does that happen? It's um, I, it's uh, in in the room of thumb. It's the first week probably lost uh, more than seventy, probably more than eighty percent. Majority lost. In other words, majority lost was in the first week. Hmm. So, uh, is it you think it's because of an immune response, or is there um, a cell to cell communication between the the you know the new myocytes and the the existing ones telling them to. You know, the, you're not needed. I don't know. Yeah, the immune rejection is one of the major causes of the low engraftment rate. So, um, which can simply um, demonstrate by if you look at the rodent study with immunodeficient rodent, the engraftment rate usually is much better than the 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 pig or dog study uh, because we just don't have immunodeficient the pig or dog study dog models, um, uh, immunodeficient pig models. It's too expensive. Nobody has utilized to study the cell therapy yet. Uh, most of the um, immunomodulation, immunorejection are studied with the immunodeficient mice compared to white type. So immunorejection is one of the reasons that they lost uh, the cells in the first week. Are these the patient's own cells or where are the cells coming from? The even even uh, um, that's autologous cell type. Um, it can be done with the um, animal study. For example, we in early days we have done the pig study using the bone marrow derived mesenchymal stem cell transplant into the recipient heart uh, with heart injury. The engraftment rate is also very low, so it's uh, that will indicate. The other than the immunorejection, the other reasons will cause the uh, the cells not graft into the heart. So it sounds like we can't take existing myocytes and induce them to be pluripotent stem cells and then culture those. It sounds like that's not possible. Say it again. Can you take existing cardiomyocytes and induce them back to pluripotency? Can you make them stem cells again? from mature uh, cardiomyocytes? I think technically um, it is uh, doable nowadays. Uh, any cells with nuclear, we can uh, reprogram into the, um, into the stem cell and then can differentiate the stem cell to any other cell types. My side is a, a special case because it's larger, much larger and has multi-nucleus in each myocyte. So nobody has tried making the myocyte become a stem cell. It's a, um, right. yeah, it's a, it's a study, but I'm, the turn back the clock is, uh, is not changing myocyte become a stem cell. It's changing myocyte, um, 
um, gene genes are characteristic to make it uh, um, back to the um, embryonic stage of continue to proliferate. We don't need to go back to, really to embryonic stage. We just promote the exist, uh, promote the cell, um, go back uh, to the cell cycle, meaning proliferation. Would you? Do you do this with the patch cells? Yeah. Or you we, would do this we, with existing heart cells? We actually have done one study that's that's the uh, suckling D2 overexpression study. Um, we successfully um, make a much larger uh, graft in one week. And uh, in six weeks, in six months, it's actually repopulate the uh, 50% of every scar, which has not published yet, but uh, remuscularization with uh, promoting the myocyte cell cycle can result in remuscularization of injured ventricle. So what, what was the, so was it 50% of the patch cells surviving or were they creating new cells from the patch cells? Like what was the mechanism you think? It's the proliferation of a grafted cell. Proliferation meaning it's new the, cells were being created? Proliferation means one cell become two, two cells become four. Right, 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 right. So the, the seed cell is the, not the recipient myocyte. It's the graft or the transplant cell. Are you cutting out the dead tissue and then replacing it with the graft? Or are you putting literally a patch over the dead material? Yeah, patch the engineered muscle patch on the surface of LV injury. So we are not cutting the... So you, mm-hmm. oh, so you're literally patching over dead tissue or scar tissue. Exactly right. So, all right. Can you tell with the patch? You said most of the patch doesn't survive. Where doesn't it survive? Like, um, I, th- I figured you would, you would anchor it. I'm just going to pretend it's like a circular patch. You know, you'd anchor the patch at, let's say, 50 points somehow around the circumference of the patch and then it would float or, you know, be attached, but kind of float on top of the damaged area. And if so, what part of the patch survives and what part dies? Is it uniform that only a small percentage survive or there's certain areas of the patch that survive better than others? Like maybe the connection point survives, but the middle doesn't or vice versa. So right now um, in the immunodeficient um, rodents study, the patch, because of the uh, rodent, does not have the immunorejection. So the uh, engineered muscle patch can survive onto the surface of the LV injury. Uh, the, the loss, more or less, is uh, um, the uniform. It's about 10% of the myocyte survive. The, the significant improvement of the graph size is, again, by the promoting the um, survive the 10% continue proliferate. By the time of the six months, it will repopulate every scar. So that, that will, that is achieved. We, we have another, we have not talked about another question that is the re, uh, resupply the graft um, the circulation or the vascular, uh, um, the um, large graphs. So the the muscle muscle uh, graft need a high oxygen uh, and uh, chemical energy to to support to function. 
and how the large graft, if we lost 10% of muscle, we regenerate 10% of muscle, uh, how this 10% of muscle mass is, uh, 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 is supplied by the perfusion. That's an important question for the field. So uh, the key here is not the pre-vascularized engineered vessel. It is how the engineered uh, muscle can survive for the first few hours or first three days. If the muscle can survive for the first three days, the angiogenesis, meaning the sprouting of pre-existing vessel, can penetrate um, the fibrotic tissue and get into the graft muscle, can supply the oxygen and uh, carbon substrate need for the grafts. So it's not a a growth vessel issue. It's how the, uh, the muscle engineered muscle can survive for the first few days. That's the, that's the most difficult part. And, and uh, yeah. Do you see any difference in larger versus smaller patches? Do smaller patches survive longer or? No we, we can, we can make a multiple smaller become larger, but the thickness is the key here. So the one we recently published in circulation is about 1.2 millimeter thickness, which is the probably the best so far in the uh, cardiovascular tissue engineering, 1.2 millimeter again. So uh, it's still relatively thin, but it's the best so far in the, in the, in the literature. So how do we uh, engineer such a tissue in the petri dish? It's basically a dynamic culture, meaning the cell need to uh, have a physical environment. In other words, it's a um, mechanical uh, biology. So if you just put in the 2D culture, they uh, do not function uh, as well as if you put in the dynamic pop culture. That means cells, cell membrane in, uh, interact with the, uh, the moving uh, medium. Uh, change in physics in the environment. So the dynamic culture make it a, a significant better function and a thicker um, engineered tissue patch. That's why it, it okay. was in circulation. Mm-hmm. I gotcha. Well, Joe, there's many, many, many more questions I could ask you. Yes. But, uh, we're, we're almost out of time. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the best way for listeners to find out more and read some of your papers and to you know, get in contact we have a, um, a symposium for the specific cardiovascular uh, bioengineering to use the proliporin stem cell to to engineer the cardiac tissue or in, uh, promote the cell therapy. This symposium has been going on for the past uh, five years annually, and uh, with the world leaders participate. It's funded through the NIH. Um, called the PCTC program. It's a progenitor cell translate, progenitor, let's say PCT, progenitor cell translational consortium. Um, it, this is the 10th year funded, uh, through NIH. And the, the meeting is, uh, participated by leaders in the field, in the world. And, uh, every year after the, uh, meeting, we, uh, work together to generate a statement or a review 
which has been published in the Science Translational Medicine or in uh, JACC, Journal of uh, uh, American Cardiology uh, College, JACC. All circulation research. So that's the area you can find our um, my work and uh, our um, colleagues' work. Yeah, the website seems to be translationalcells.org. Looking mm-hmm. at it now. Yeah, it's a PCTC. Oh. If you search Google, the NIH PCTC will lead you to the uh, website. And all you can also you can uh, uh, search the UAB BNV. That's all these people's uh, lectures actually on the website. Okay. Well, very good. Mm-hmm. Well, Dr. J, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you very much, Rich. Have a great day. You're listening to the Future Tech Health Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Until I reached age 40, I never realized the obvious, that we all have medical issues, or we at least have a family member or close relation that had, has, or will have them in the future. Medicine and biological systems are the final frontier. Until we've conquered death, figured out how life began, cured cancer, and understood our purpose in the universe, there's a heck of a lot to talk about when it comes to our health. Future Tech Health means I'll be covering futuristic topics that are actually already in clinical trials or even starting to appear on shelves or by prescription or available for your own use. We dive deep into stem cells, CRISPR-Cas9, the science of sleep, epigenetics, medical testing, cancer, ketogenic diets, stem cells, aging, regenerative medicine, and more. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a serious medical problem. Remember, however, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoy the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and share it with friends. Thank you.